Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. podcast where we watch the Tudors after almost 10 years and go into the depth of the history and background of the show, explaining the stories behind the drama. You can learn more about the show and about us at watchingthetutors.com. This is episode four, His Majesty the King. A quick reminder that if you like the show, please give us a rating on iTunes. It's like the number one way you can help a show succeed and it helps other people find the show as well. So let me tell you about the reason why we're doing this. I'm Heather. I started the Renaissance English History Podcast in 2009, and it's still running. If you want to get into even more depth on all things related to Renaissance England, you can check it out at englandcast.com. I thought it would be fun to go through and start watching the tutors from the beginning again and see what stuck out at me after learning and podcasting about this period for such a long time. And it's my goal to bring the stories behind the tutors to life in a more accessible way for the average viewer. And hopefully people also want to go deeper into my other podcast as well. And I'm Jonathan. I'm Heather's husband. And I've always heard her talking about all her history things and kings and stuff with her friends. And I thought this would be a good way for me to learn a little bit about this major interest in my wife's life uh, in a somewhat enjoyable way by watching a television show. Yeah, and and I thought I'd uh, play a good non-expert because I am, in in fact, a non-expert. I I have very little knowledge of anything historical. Although early on when we first met, I I Googled you and I found this review you'd written on an (laughs) Amazon book. On the history of Ethiopia. Yes. And I thought, man, this guy, he must be really, really smart. Look at this really intelligent really history book he and, wrote on the history yeah. of this review he wrote on this book. It looks really academic. And yeah. then I tried to start talking to you about history. And you actually asked me why anybody would ever want to study history. Yeah. And I kind of had to pick my job. But I married you anyway. Yeah. See, it worked. I, I read one book and um, <laughs> wrote a review and, and, and got you. And so got the girl. It, there you it, go. It, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to do a little quick recap. And then you're going to ask me questions. And we're going to talk that way. Sounds good. So spoiler alert. We always say this. But if you... Well, we're going to talk about the things that happened. So if you haven't watched The Tudors, you want to either stop and go watch it, or you'll just find out what happened without having to watch it. So there's that. And so, yeah, just note that we're going to be talking about everything that happened. Mm -hmm. And And there's also, yeah, some, some sort of bigger spoilers that we might give, you know, just because we sort of assume that if you're interested in this kind of thing, you would have either watched the show or you would know sort of the the 
broad history of what happens with like Henry, Henry has six wives. Yeah, like Henry keeps chopping people's heads off that he's married to and stuff. Well, he only so. did that twice. Okay, well, I, it's twice more than I have, and or ever will. I'm okay. pretty confident in that. Nice. So there you go. All right. So in this episode, episode four, His Majesty the King, it was originally aired in April 2007. And oh my gosh, the most glaring thing that make, made my head hurt, and we'll talk about this later, but in the show, Henry has this dalliance with Marguerite of Navarre. It's the King of France's sister. Like... <laughs> There's just so much that's wrong with that. I just can't even. It makes my head hurt. So we'll talk about that later. We're also introduced to Thomas Cromwell. We learn that he is a Protestant sympathizer. Henry gets hurt a lot because this episode is foreshadowing his mortality and his uh, feelings of fear around not having a male heir. So he gets hurt in a jousting accident, and then he almost drowns while he's trying to pole vault over a ditch. He winds up needing to be bled. His relationship with Anne Boleyn starts heating up. They make out for the first time, and their romance heats up. He's jealous of anybody she talks with, and he's already showing the kind of possessiveness and the passion that their relationship would have. In Foreign Affairs... The emperor captures King Francis of France in a battle, and this makes Henry super excited. And the fake Princess Margaret, who was really Mary, um, is she makes it to Portugal. And of course, in real life, that was France. Again, so in the show, Princess Margaret makes it to Portugal. And on the way on the boat, she has sex with Charles Brandon. So that's fun. And speaking of the emperor... Speaking of the emperor in general, we also see that Catherine of Aragon's letters to her nephew are all being opened and read by Cardinal Wolsey. So later on, that's going to be a big part of Catherine's story as well, and that she was really isolated in the later part of her life. So we're kind of seeing part of that now. So there's a lot that happens here. Was there anything I missed that you thought should... I don't think so. There was a lot going on. There was a lot in this episode. It was a very busy episode. So why don't you start asking me questions? You have a lot of questions. I, that's just the first page. How many pages? I just two. Okay. All right. So the whole thing starts off with like some sort of party. Is this like the heading off party kind of thing? Like, yeah. You would have a ceremony like that. Okay. When so, Margaret's going to Portugal. And like all those people were like the people going to be sent with her. Yeah. And in real life, that would be kind of part of the marriage negotiations of who all she would get to keep from her own country. Mm. And you know, who all would, would stay there. And that mm-hmm. would be kind of part of what they talked about. Like her entourage that she gets to bring from back home. Exactly. And speak her own language and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And because we, I sort of, we have a preview of what's coming. Spoiler alert. This person who is, who is Margaret, exactly. it gets so confusing. So Margaret yes. apparently is going to marry Charles Brandon, is that his name? In the future, yeah. Yeah. And so it was it was sort of foreshadowing how they had Margaret and he was she was standing next to Charles and mm-hmm. but just just to recap so that I kind of I mean you said something about it before. Right. Right now. But like last episode we talked. So Henry did have a sister Margaret. Right. But the sort of storyline that they're going with here is more about his, he also had a sister, Mary. Yes. And Mary was married off yes. to the King of France. Yes. Who was an old man. Yes. He was 
35 years older than her or so. And, and yeah. And so that's sort of what this storyline is going on. And that on. all happened and, before. And, yeah. No, be, yeah. Okay. Just sorry. Hang on. And <laughs> Mary, yes. who was married off to the old French king. Yes. Really did end up marrying Charles Brandon. Yes. In, in like real life. In real life. Yes. So this storyline sort of happened. Yes. Except with a different country a different sister and like 10 years and before like a totally different time but yes okay but but what the princess small, margaret small details the princess margaret yeah. married into scotland but just probably not to that big of an age gap and it wasn't that. right but she actually is ultimately more important because the the stuart kings come from her line I just so. don't understand. I mean, I, you know, this is a story to ask the writers of, but like, why not just say it was Mary? Like, why change it to Margaret? Yeah, because we I mean, haven't even seen Mary. Yeah, we haven't like seen the Scottish one. Else. In yeah, Margaret. Well, yeah, Mar- we haven't but the other one. No, yeah, if they it. would have named her. Yeah, I, okay, we're just going to confuse everyone. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. So, it, so that's that. They had the me. sending off party, and yes, for Margaret. and that's good. Yes. So next. Henry got like the letter that Thomas More was reading or something from mm-hmm. the Pope uh, who had given Henry the, the title defender of the faith. Yes. I think we mentioned this last episode, mm-hmm. but, but this is like a real thing. Like yes. the, the Pope named Today, Henry the defender of the faith. And yes. that was like, did that mean it was just sort of a nice thing to do? I mean, it didn't mm-hmm. like, it was mean a nice anything thing. Per it was se, just a nice but title. It was just a nice title to yeah. give him. And then also Martin Luther, like, did he really, yes. like, talk smack about Henry for for saying all that? Yeah. So Henry was awarded that title in fifteen twenty one, October fifteen twenty one, and then in fifteen twenty two, Luther wrote um, a, a title, a tract called "Against Henry, King of the English," and he talked smack about Henry, and then Thomas More responded to that. I see. Yes. So he, he he didn't you know beat her on the bush just sort of alluding to certain people. He, no. he said this is a letter <laughs> to yeah. the King of England. Yeah, and you can actually um, you can look at it. It's on Google Books, and it's it's in it's German. In, what is it? Latin, German? Yeah, I, I guess I guess that's Latin, and uh, yeah, it's specifically about. So if you speak Latin, right? <laughs> if you can read this font. Um, yeah, so you can actually read his, That's wild. his response. Yeah. 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 That's, I mean, I guess Martin Luther seemed to kind of have some guts. I mean, going yeah. against like the, the holy, or like, you know, the whole. Well, you know, I think it's interesting. Church because, and then talking bad about kings who have a penchant to yeah. kill everyone. There were people who had done it. Like there was the whole movement in England, the Lollards. And so I think. We look at Luther and say that was seminal, but I think he was kind of the the pinnacle or whatever of this whole kind of brewing movement that had been going yeah. on a long time. And actually, with Martin Luther, the Roman Catholic Church had just started another round of selling indulgences, like several years before he wrote that. So he was writing specifically in response to, to this, this round, round of, of indulgences. So he didn't invent this idea. No. He just sort of became the poster child exactly. for it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. And people, you know, the mood was ripe for mm-hmm. it. And he was in kind of one of those good ideas at the right time. Right place yeah, right history. place, right time. Yeah. Bad haircut. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, next, there 
on the ship, and they're getting ready to sail off. Yes. Uh, the the Margaret. the princess. Yeah. Yeah. And Brandon. We'll just call her Margaret for okay, now. I'm Margaret. just going to let. Yeah, it go. we're going to go with with what she is in the story. So. Um, this is a really stupid question, and I think I know the answer. Well, I know the answer to this, but okay. just <laughs> give it to me. Okay, like, like because England is an island, right? Like, if you wanted to go to Portugal, you'd have to use a ship. Yes. Okay. I don't. I mean, yeah. So you I told you it's a stupid question. I you mean, could sail t- to start with. If you wanted to take a land route, you could sail across to France or to the Low Countries, and then. Head okay. down, but you'd have to cross the Pyrenees, which is kind of a bitch. Okay, okay. Well, so I mean, it's a silly the question. Quickest but, I way mean, was to you wouldn't go on a ship. Yeah, I see. Because yeah, I mean, any kind of travel wasn't very, especially with all those people. I mean, if right. you were sending like two people, you could just kind of send them on a, a small ship and then like put them on a horse or something. <laughs> I don't know. Bring me a horse. All right. Well, I I told you. Um, so the next question, is this another one involving boats? Uh, no okay. ships. ships. See, right. Yeah. There's a, there's a distinction there. Okay. Um, it's about the church scene. Sure. Uh, the little, like they had kind of like private mass oh, the for ch- the chapel. king and the queen and the chapel sure. and, and Wolsey was like, like, what was that? Did, did they have private Mass kind of thing? Yeah. There was, uh, like, Henry VIII had built up the Chapel Royal. And you would have, you know, one thing at this time, this is why this goes into the tangent on choral music that I could talk about for a long time. But one of the reasons why choral music in England is so unique is that it was the practice for people to found these sorts of colleges and chapels where they would have a choir that would sing masses for the soul of whoever it was. So like if you were a high ranking nobleman, you would found a a chapel or a college and have people sing masses for your soul after you died. So yeah, um, the king wouldn't go to church with the average people. Mm -hmm. So he would have his own private chapel royal. And even noble, noble people often had their own, you know, and there were still private or public churches, Mm -hmm. especially if you were around colleges and things that you would probably be able to get into, but uh, in general, fancy people didn't go to church with non-fancy people. Okay. Especially the king. Interesting. Private church, that seems odd to me, but whatever. Lots of this stuff seems odd. (laughs) Um, And then they brought in, so the next scene, like a girl, they were announced Anne Clippert or whatever, and he got excited because he thought it was Anne Boleyn, but it was... So, but she was delivering a letter from Anne Boleyn and Anne Boleyn sent back the jewels and said like, oh, these aren't good. You know, I'm not good enough for these. I'm going to return to my home. Mm -hmm. Like, was she like, did that happen? Like, I I mean, at least as far as her leaving court and going back home and yeah. And return, she returned jewels. She, she did that kind of thing. And And so she was just really like playing hard to get like, so yeah, there is a theory that some historians have that Anne and Henry, that Anne actually did sleep with him early on, and then she only withdrew once she saw that it was going to be potentially possible that she would become a queen. Once it seemed that Henry was really going to try to get a divorce, and there was the possibility of having a legitimate male heir, that she pulled back, and you know they both kind of cut it out so that any heir so that, that it had, didn't seem so. 
like deliberate mm-hmm. or and something. Also so that any child they had would be legitimate because they also didn't know how long it would take. We know in hindsight it took almost a decade or you know the better part of a decade for them to finally get married. But at the time they thought it might be six months or a year or something mm-hmm. like that. But they're definitely that's a, a big part of Anne and Henry's relationship is that she played hard to get and, you know, stoked his passions and then didn't actually give in. Although again, people have varying ideas of how much she gave in, especially because she was raised in France. Whereas we saw in episode two, they were much more liberal with um, oral sex than in England. It was kind of something that French women did. And so, you know, there was probably a lot of that going on, but in terms of actually sleeping together where you would get a male era where you would get pregnant, they didn't do that. And she played hard to get, and it, it's the whole storyline of them. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, he received a letter from, from her, from Anne. Yes. And would, would she have actually like written that? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, so she, she knew how to write like royal, like not royalty, but like higher class Mm -hmm. people back then knew how to, to write. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it was just sort of the common folk wouldn't. Right. Yeah. If you, especially having been a lady in waiting, you know, she would have spoken French. She would have spoken probably Latin. She would have spoken a lot of different languages and, um, was very well versed in, you know, she was raised part of her time. She was raised in a court where actually, um, Margaret of Austria, she was at her court for a while and Margaret of Austria was really influenced by an early feminist called Christina de Pizan. And so Anne Boleyn probably would have been reading these. And there's even once she became queen, she was bringing in English Bibles and she was very much part of, um, you know, literacy and, and she knew how to do that. And, uh, women in general, upper class women at this time would have, especially because if you were noble woman's or a nobleman's wife, there was always going to be the chance that you were going to have to take over for him if he went to war or when he was at court. So you had to know how to do simple accounting mm-hmm. and you know re- and take care of things like that. Okay. So, so next we see the introduction. Is it? Thomas Cromwell. Thomas Cromwell. We see the introduction of yes. Thomas Cromwell. Yes. And I have heard of this name, Thomas Cromwell. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've heard that just in the world or because I've been married to you for so long. <laughs> hard but um, who is Thomas Cromwell? Like a, a short version. Thomas Cromwell is responsible for the dissolution of the monasteries. Thomas Cromwell was a lower class, similar to Thomas Wolsey, and he rose because he was clever. He was a barrister. He was a very clever man. Barrister means uh, like, like a, a lawyer? lawyer. And okay. Actually, I don't know for sure that he was, so we'll... Well, it said that later. In, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah he, he, was, um, he was very, very clever and man very similar to Wolsey, and he was Wolsey's right, right-hand man for a long time, and then when Wolsey fell... Cromwell. He stepped in. Kind of stepped in. Yeah, and he he was sadly in the same position as Woolsey, in which later on he was going to have got his power through Henry, and he, you know, we'll see him later on a lot, mm-hmm. so we don't have to talk about that now. But he was his, he was most famous for after Henry broke from Rome he went and systematically went through to every monastery um, in the country and dissolved them and took the riches for Henry. 
And so he made Henry very, very rich. He took all of that mm-hmm. church land and the money and and he also um he was he was a Protestant and we see that in the in the show and he was very critical of you know, at this time churches <laughs> they would say like that they had a vial of Jesus's blood or there was one place that yeah, said no, they I had know, like, like Mary's breast milk and mm-hmm. you know all this and they would charge people you know to go look at that mm-hmm. or kiss it or you know whatever and people would do this and um they thought it was going to work miracles and Cromwell was very much against that he hated seeing that and so he really took a, a vengeance on <laughs> some of these places uh when he was dissolving them and he he said something of there was some kind of quote that he said where you know if he took every piece of the true cross that's in England and put it on a pile you'd have like 5000 yeah, exactly yeah. and um yeah so that's that's what he's most remembered for and i'm assuming that if people have listened to this they know about wolf hall but um there's the fabulous books by hillary mantel and then the TV show that's based off of that, that goes into Cromwell's character. And, you know, there's a lot of debate specifically over how it makes Thomas More look, because Thomas More comes off looking very bad in the show and in the books. But, you know, it, it's an interesting portrayal of Cromwell for people who want to kind of dig into his psyche in a historical fiction what sort of that? way. It's called Wolf Hall. Wolf Hall. Yeah. It won the Man Booker Prize and then... This is all just over my head, this, this last bit. <laughs> you know, when I read Wolf Hall, I'd had it on my Kindle for a long time. And I'm always going to associate it with, when we first had Hannah, it was the book that I started reading in Midnight Feedings. And it's funny because it's like such a blur to me because it's like I read it in the middle of the night at like yeah. three o'clock in the morning in little snippets of 15 minutes here and there. And it's, but it's a brilliant, but it's a wonderful piece of fiction if you take it not as gospel about mm-hmm. Thomas Cromwell. But um, yeah, it's done a lot to raise his profile. People have become very interested. Mostly when people hear Cromwell, they think of Oliver Cromwell, who is 100 years later, the protectorate during the English Civil War. Okay, see, that's... Yeah, I think that's... That must have been who you... Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I think I know Oliver Cromwell. Okay, sorry. So we can... Yeah, yeah. so Thomas Cromwell is uh, 100 years before then. And, and then I guess just because it begins with a C and like I get those confused with Winston Churchill. <laughs> I mean, this is my historical uh, knowledge. Yeah. So Winston Churchill is like so World all, War II, all, my friend. Is that like a different time? You got to stop. Okay. I'll just you stop. You got to stop. All right. You got to stop. Go on to your next question. <laughs> I can't handle it. So next, like, uh, I don't remember what scene this was that they were, Oh, it was when, Woolsey was just in there, you know, oh, do you, do you want this? And he says, yes. And do you want this? Yes, whatever. So Woolsey kind of controlled Parliament, too. Like, yeah, he just kind of had his hands in everything. Yeah, like, and we talked about that in the first episode, that just Henry, when he, especially when he was very young. See, I think this kind of compresses mm-hmm. time a, a little bit, too. But yeah. when Henry was very young and, you know, 19, 20 years old as a kid, he didn't want to deal with this kind of stuff. And he was just like, all right, whatever, hand yeah. it to Woolsey. And, you know, by this point now, 15 years later, he's become a huge, you know, person. Yeah, like to had a lot of influence. This. Yeah. Yeah. I really knew how to pull everyone's strings. And yeah. Interesting. Um, and he talked about, you know, he'd be able to get support for going against France. 
Yes. And the king said, well, of course you would. And did, did everyone at that time hate France or was it just the king or was it like half and half or I, what? I, well, you know, I think Henry still had that idea. There was the Hundred Years' War and people still, there were still nobles in France or sorry, in England who had claims to land in France mm-hmm. that they we talked about that once with yeah. the Hundred Years' War. And so, um, you know, in general, war with France was always a good idea. When in doubt, go to war with France. Okay, so it was sort of, he wasn't the only one feeling like, sure, let's just go to yeah. war with France. I mean, there were people, like like Woolsey himself had mm-hmm. been pulling for the French peace. And yeah. later on, Anne Boleyn, when she became queen and when she had more influence with Henry, she would, would pull for a French alliance. And mm-hmm. so there were people, but, you know, in general. English people in general enjoy war with France. Okay, cool. Uh, well, not necessarily cool, but yeah, I get it. Okay, and then this this part, the thorn in your side or whatever. Oh my God, Princess Marguerite of Navarre. Oh is God, that what it is? yes. So she didn't necessarily show up and and sleep with Henry. Okay, so uh, can I just tell you what is so wrong with that on so many levels? Go on. The first thing is a princess, a princess would like guard her chastity or her, you know, whatever, especially if she was the sister of the King of France. I mean, you wouldn't, you, you just wouldn't like, you just wouldn't. That's just like, I mean, I don't know. And it wasn't like, I mean, and I guess at this time too, it wasn't like, you know, these days you, you bump into each other at a, at a fancy club or something when you're out. Yeah. It was like, you would have to travel for like, I don't know, weeks the, or whatever. And to also get the to- thing is, so like, right, exactly. And so she was married, right? So the other thing about women's infidelity at this time, and this is why it was such a big deal for Anne Boleyn, when women committed adultery, it was, if they were royal, it was treason because power came through the male line. So if, and you know, this is a whole big thing about power going the patriarchy versus the matriarchy. Yeah. But you know, if she say Henry got her pregnant, mm-hmm. right, <laughs> and say she had a son, mm-hmm. is that son her husband's or is that son Henry's? And mm-hmm. if you look back at the clock, and if she's, I mean, you don't just show up in England for a, a week vacation, yeah. right? Yeah. You're there for like a while. Yeah. So you know, it's going to be traced that it's Henry's son, and then Henry the Eighth is going to have a claim. <laughs> Like Henry yeah, VIII's the French, son. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So how messy would that be? That would be messy. Yeah. So while Henry, to start with also Marguerite of Navarre never actually went <laughs> to the English court that, that I know of. And she was also a, a humanist. And also at the same time that later on they allude to Charles having captured Francis, the King of France, Marguerite was his sister. And when he was captured, she was actually going back and forth it to Spain to negotiate his release. Yeah. So she was a very powerful woman and you know, she, she was a, a very modern woman and she had a, a lot of, yeah, she had a lot of power and intelligence and all of that kind of stuff. So it, even if she had been in England, she would have appreciated the risks to her kingdom mm-hmm. if she had become pregnant by the King of England. So it's all just pretty that, silly. This, yeah. this part. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's just I don't even know what they're doing with that. All right. Yeah. And and I feel like I'm noticing a pattern. Yes. Just with the show, or uh-huh. like there was no re- there there wasn't much skin in this episode, so mm. maybe it's like every odd 
Oh, right. Odd episode has skin. I don't know. Yeah, every other one. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. There was there was just fun sound effects from 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 outside yeah. the doors. All right. Leonardo da Vinci was a guest of Marguerite of Navarre. That's how much of a humanist and like supporter of the arts. She and doesn't sound like the kind of person who just go sleeping around with other with, kings no. for for fun. No, and like I'm kind of offended on Marguerite of Navarre's behalf. <laughs> on her behalf, you're offended that they would that they include would her in this in this. In the, that they would portray her in this. I mean, she was like an amazing woman. She wrote, and she was. It's like, like it's like having Mother Teresa like, yeah. like show up and, and, and okay. I mean, she wasn't time, quite right, that but, good, but oh, you know, yeah, it, it yeah, it just. All right. Um, so next, they're back in. We're back on the boat on the ship. <laughs> I'm on a boat. Yes, we're back on the ship, and they're talking. You know they're they're having the the card match next door loudly to yes. to the princess, right? And he says something about the the, the knave for the queen or mm. whatever. What does knave mean? I don't a know. A knave is just like a you churl, you knave. It's just a a term of you churl. What the hell? <laughs> is it like a churro? No, it's not a churro. I don't know these words you're saying. Churl, like a dog. Churl. C-H-U-R-L. So like it's just like, yeah, like a, like a, a knave is like a, a low-born, like, oh. oh, this knave. Okay. Yes. So like, okay. All right. You're nothing but a dirty knave. <laughs> I'm so offended. I'm going to look up a, a swearing and a tutor swear, because I'm, I'm sure there's like some fun ways to swear with the word knave. All right. So then... They're talking Norfolk and... There's actually a book, The Encyclopedia of Swearing, The Social History of Oaths, Profanity, and Foul Language. There's a lot on knave. Wow. Cool. Sorry, go on. So, Norfolk and Boleyn, dad, were talking about Woolsey and sort of saying how much they don't like him and did you hear about this and did you hear about that? Yes. So, did Woolsey actually appoint himself the bishop of winchester sure yes good that's good times why not just fill the position with yourself you know i'm I'm as good as candidate as anyone (laughs) um and he and he like appointed himself i mean you'd think that would there'd be a law against it but i mean i guess they didn't worry about this kind of thing back then and then also they said he he started Oxford school or something like he started Oxford College or what? He started what? Christ College in Oxford. So Oxford is a university like Cambridge made up of colleges. So oh, okay. he started a college in Oxford. So just just in case there's other people who don't like know all this stuff like me, because uh-huh. I'm not like I went to San Diego State University. Right. And we had like, like in my mind, it's just like one school, like San Diego State, like it's just a school. But we had like the College of Arts and Letters, and the College yeah. of Engineering, yes. and the College of uh, whatever uh, other things. Mm-hmm. That was the official Humani- title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the official College of Other Things. Yeah, <laughs> the College of Humanities. It's or like whatever. I took math for liberal arts majors. It was like pretty much called that. So you had a you had a college of other things. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We had a college of partying at San Diego State. So, but in like quote unquote <laughs> real universities, or I mean, not to say that San Diego State isn't a real university, but like Cambridge, for example, yes. when, when we I visited there with you, 
Yes. And it was very pretty. Yes. I, I suggest anyone who goes to England to visit Cambridge. It's we a went beautiful punting. place. Yes, yeah, so mm-hmm. you can go punting where you where you drive around little boats using sticks. I actually lead history tours there, so people can go there with me if they like. I, I didn't actually mean to plug your tours, but yes, if you would like to tour England with a wonderful um, tour leader, uh, contact Heather on her, on her website. Plug. I get 5%. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Find your speed. So Cambridge is made up of different colleges. Like there's right. King's College, Queen's correct? College, yeah. It's, it's, Clare King's College, College uh-huh. Queen's College, Clare, Sydney Sussex College. Different colleges. Yes. And they and they might have different like specialties. But mm-hmm. it's sort of the university is actually just a collection of these different yes. colleges that are all located in the And in, in Cambridge, the, the most recent one was actually added in the 1970s, I think. Well, so they're still, I mean, quote unquote, still adding mm-hmm. colleges. Okay. The so, first one was in like 1100 or something like that. And the last one was... In- oh, right. So he didn't found Oxford, Oxford University. University, but he founded... Christ College. Christ College in... That's a part, of, a part of, Oxford of Oxford University. University. Yes. All right. So there you go. Just a little more understanding of universities for there people. There you go. Yep. Um, and he also had a personal foundation that he was sending money to. Yeah, he's like sent just, money all it, kinds of stuff. I mean, it just sounds so like these days. Like I, you know, it just it's it's funny how we or me people think, you know, there's like new new stuff. Like I mean, things aren't new. Like mm-hmm. you know, they, they talk about like politicians now having like you know super PACs where they get money like diverted towards them or whatever. And like mm-hmm. Woolsey was doing this stuff. I mean. Kind of mm-hmm. like having his own personal foundation where he got money. And, yeah. Yeah. So we don't need to get into yeah. modern day politics, but um, just funny to think that this has been going on for a long time. Yes. And he was taking money away from the privy purse. Yes. What is a, pri- a privy purse? Sounds really funny to me. What is a privy? It's just purse? like the like petty cash, the, the money at hand for the king. Okay. So like the royal. Yes. The royal coin bag yes, or whatever. Exactly. And he was sort of pilfering. Yes. Money. Yes. I don't, I don't know what that word means, but I used it correctly. <laughs> um, and, and then I don't, I don't remember what scene this is in, but, but Hen- did Henry really love Thomas More? Someone was saying, Oh, he really loved. Yeah, that's right. He, yeah, he did. So he, he really relied on him or, or. Oh, he loved him. And that's why when he killed him, it was just such a crazy. And he killed him. Yeah. Jesus, these people. Yeah, no, they were. And, you know, Thomas More knew Henry when he was a child. So Thomas More actually took Erasmus to see. There's a story of Thomas More taking Erasmus to see Henry when Henry was like 10, before it, when Arthur was still alive, I think, when he was. Um, anyway, he was very, very young. And Erasmus and Thomas More talk, both talked about the precocious Prince Henry and blah, 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 blah. So Henry knew Thomas More all of his life. What, and then. What a jerk. Yeah. It's like, I love you so much. You're like a huge part of my life. I'm going to like... Chop your head off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude. Yeah. Why are these, these people? All right. Um, and then there was the poet guy, Wyatt, and he asked if he liked Anne. And I, we, we talked a little bit about... Mm-hmm. We don't know that they were necessarily involved, but he, he was an actual poet yes. at, this t- at the time. Yeah. And he likely, I think we said last time, the short answer is he likely loved her more than she. Yeah. And do you know his, what's his full name? Thomas Wyatt. Of of course it's Thomas. Right. Everyone's named Thomas. 
And on to the next Thomas. Thomas Tallis was in the next scene, mm-hmm. and he had the girls come up. And yeah. I'm not saying that that happened, but like, do you have any speculation as to whether he would have sort of had rock star status from being know. like? I I don't. I really wouldn't think so. I mean, I, I wouldn't think so either, but I mean, it just seems like everyone wants to sleep with everyone is, in this show. Yeah. So. And the one thing is that, you know, choristers, choir people and composers were fought after because there was this competition like between Henry and, and Woolsey and stuff like that to have the best choir and mm-hmm. have like choristers that could sing the hardest music and yeah. blah, 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 blah. But I don't know that your average chick at court would go after Thomas Tallis. I, I, I don't even know that Thomas Tallis would be there at, at a part. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't know that he would have had that kind of status to, to I don't, be there. Like yeah. that he would be at home writing songs. Or, or I mean, something. he, yeah, I, I suppose he would have been able to, I, I think he would have been more involved in like the musical production that was going on. Cause they had dancing. It's like, I think if he was going to be, be there, it would have been the bar. Yeah. He would have been there in a professional. Okay. So then the man comes in breathless with his message for the king about the emperor's victory at Pavia. Pavia, Pavia, yeah. Pavia? Where? Italy. Pavia is in Italy. Yeah. Okay. Well, and that that happened. That was a thing. Yes. Yeah, it was um, a war that he had, that France had in in Italy. It was called the uh, Four Years' War. And and the army was like in it, it, like it was what they you were said. in northern like they, yeah they they kind of got destroyed mm-hmm. and they yeah. they really captured they captured the French, the French king, king and Marguerite of Navarre went to negotiate his release and his captivity and everything like that and so I you know I was wondering like was France so just a little bit about this this war or whatever in Italy like. Like who was fighting who, I guess? Because like the emperor is Spanish, but right. was he fighting on behalf of? Like I'm just confused. Was well, he fighting on behalf of Spain or on behalf of the Roman Empire? And who yeah. was he fighting like against? It, it I, it's basically they were or is, trying. Or is to, this just like a whole hour long like podcast hour-long, on its own? Yeah, no, it's a whole thing. But they were okay. trying to establish who was going to be the ruler of the Italian states. It, Italy wasn't a country the way England the was. The way we think about it now. It was the Italian whatever. states. And it was going to be who was going to have the most um, influence in the Italian states. And France did have some land in the northern parts of mm-hmm. Italy. And that was like land that they had by the Alps and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And But the Habsburgs, which was the emperor, the mm-hmm. emperor's family also, you know, that's close to their land as well. Mm-hmm. So there was a... there. They so they were just both sort of trying to get their 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 feet in the door mm-hmm. of Italy or whatever you want. Yeah, to call, and it's a the whole, Italian states. So. I'm like, I can't speak to that's the Italian sure. wars, but yeah, yeah there. But that's a whole a whole big. Yes. All right. Yes. Well, you answered my question, so that's cool. So uh, it's really not a question; it's just like my own commentary opinion. Okay. That like joust scene with Henry getting hit in the face like was really weird, and I guess, I mean, I guess I was just setting up like his his like vulnerability. Like I just mm-hmm. thought that was really weird. Like I didn't understand. Like it yeah. seemed like really contrived. Like he didn't put down his mask, and yeah, and then he like 
hits the other guy in the face and yeah that so yeah no question that was just that was just kind of odd so there you go yeah so the secretary was the cromwell Mm -hmm. was made the secretary by wolsey Mm -hmm. and the king said okay that's great i don't whatever i don't care who's the secretary like what did he did he he was just like another person around Mm -hmm. like okay and Sir Anthony Nybert, what, Nybert. Nybert or yeah. is he a real person? He was actually based on a friend of Henry's that he died in 1512. And he was one of these kind of young guys that Henry would hang out with when he was first first there, like this group of these young guys. And yeah. he participated in jousts and pageants and stuff like that. And um, he died when the the regent um, is that that uh, thing I told you about last time with the navy when the gunpowder exploded. It was like in the Bay of Biscay or something. It was somewhere one of these bays outside France, and there there was um, a gunpowder explosion on the wrong ship. And anyway, um, he he died in this battle. Okay, so that guy was kind of somewhat based on a historical, yeah, correct figure, and then. Will, Sir William Compton was the other guy who carried the tree. Yes, um, he was a real. He's a real person as well. Yeah, he was later buddy. as well. So he is. He was born around the same time as Nivet, so he was about the same age, and he died in 1528. And um, yeah, so he was another friend of Henry's that was a, a prominent guy at court. Okay. All right. So then there was this the the shot of the people in in the Protestants. Yes. And Cromwell was there. He was. So this is just like this is kind of blowing my mind because like he's like in like he's like Wolsey's man. Yes. But he's a Protestant. Yes. So he probably wouldn't have wanted to let them know. No, because he could have gotten in serious burning damnation trouble for that. That wasn't a good scene. No. At the time. Right. But then everything would change. And then Thomas Cromwell would get his hands on it all and dis- dismantle all those monasteries that he so disliked. Oh, that, that's just, I mean, man, just putting yourself in the right place. Yep. Well, he also gets his head chopped off, though. Well, for a time. Yeah. I mean, doesn't everyone get their head chopped everybody off? In Tudor, I mean, everybody in Tudor England got their head chopped off. <laughs> Pretty much. Did Did Henry get it? Henry didn't get his head chopped no, off. No, he just oh, He just died. died. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then Anne Boleyn comes back to court mm-hmm. and that, that, that like happened, I guess, cause she ended up, she could go like, back and forth. Hever yeah, Castle yeah. is in Kent. It was close. She could. Okay. So she wasn't going off to like France or something. No. She was just traveling down the road. Well, yeah, I mean, more exactly. than down the road. All right. And then we went to Portugal. Mm-hmm. Just really like there was really, I mean, I guess we, we talked about this earlier. Yeah. So there really was. A young, a young princess married to like really old. Man. She was like nineteen or twenty, and he was like fifty three, fifty four, fifty. Yeah, which was really old for back then. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Jeez, nineteen and fifty three. That's like not cute. No, poor girl. And then there was really love letters between Henry and Anne. I mean, you've alluded mm-hmm. to this, yeah. but I mean that was like a thing, and mm-hmm. like he would write her letters. And, mm-hmm just seems so like i mean it almost seems like made up 
I yeah. mean, like, but wow. I mean, that's how we know so much about their relationship. And that's well. why they made like a show about it. Cause like yeah. other Kings didn't write love letters to like young women who wrote it back and they had these long things. They just said, Hey, you come here. And, and certainly not before this. T- I mean, I think there were, you know, there's stories of, um, there's, there's other really great stories throughout English history that shows could be made about Eleanor of Aquitaine and, you know, the King Prince John and King Richard and the Crusades in that whole period, she was their mother. And, um, you know, that could have been a story, but they just aren't the records. Mm, But but with this, we have these. Yeah. So they, and they don't have, you know, all of them, they're not complete, but there's enough to piece together. A story. So there are like, I mean, are they, are any of them like in museums or mm-hmm. anything? Yeah. So like you could go you see go like see a love letter from yeah. Henry to Anne. And yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Like I, I kind of get why you like this history stuff. Yeah. It's like pretty neat. Yeah. And the, I mean, they're great. They're amazing stories. Like, I mean, the story of Eleanor of Aquitaine married to Henry II in the 12th century is, uh, and then also there's another story, Edward III he the whole Lancastrian line descends from his marriage to Catherine Swinford. Catherine Swinford had been his longtime mistress, long, long, long time, years, twenty years, and they finally were able to get married when John of Gaunt's wife died, and you know then he married her, and it's like such a beautiful love story that through this whole time, you know they were just in love that, and there's you know they, it, I don't know what all went through their through their minds and how what kind of things they went back and forth but Mm -hmm. it was a long 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 love story and that's where the Lancastrian line descends from and um and that's where the Tudors you know are are descended from Mm -hmm. and it's just there aren't there aren't the letters there aren't any kind of artifacts and there's these stories that would be really great stories we just have little snippets of them did Camilla ever write love letters to Prince, um, they have we have those phone calls, right? I, I remember that. I, I literally have no idea. I'm just amazed yeah. I knew that. Okay, now that the, oh, the, there was there somebody ta- hacked their or tapped their calls, yeah. And that was when Prince Charles said he wished he could be her tampon because he wanted to be inside her all the time. Oh God, I'm sorry I brought that up. Are you traumatized? Yes. It's actually kind of a sweet sentiment. I no, suppose. not I mean, okay. Not, no, you know, I I understand what he's getting at. He's, he's not the smoothest. I understand his. I understand what he's getting at, but it's let's not just, the best execution. Let's move on, please. Yes. Next questions. Oh, okay. Ew, on to, like just that set the scene for the bed. What was that bed scene? Like yeah. in Portugal, what the hell? So that was when people would get married what like that. What the hell is wrong with people? No. Okay, so here's the thing. Let me tell I, you the I, thing. I know we do crazy stuff now, but like, what? what is that? Okay, well, no, I'll tell you what it is. Tell okay, me. so it comes from, to start with, very, very early in the history of marriage before marriage was a sacrament. So we're going up to like the 10th, 11th, 12th century. You could be officially married by saying by having a witness or by saying that you were married and then by consummating it. So if we met in a bar and you said, Hey, I'm going to marry you. Let's go hook up. And you did that. You were like officially married. And then there were a lot of people getting pregnant and men saying, no, we weren't actually married and blah, blah, blah. And so they turned it into a sacrament and had a ceremony Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And that's like the very short history, but it turned into like, especially when royalty got married, you, you needed to ensure that the marriage was being consecrated. That was, 
part of the deal. So if, if you just did it in a back room with two people, like the two people could just say, oh, no, that never happened. Or right. Whatever. And that is what the whole thing is with Catherine of Aragon, because mm-hmm. she always, to her dying day, claimed that she was a virgin, when she, even though she was married to Arthur and they had the bedding ceremony mm-hmm. and everything. She said he was never he was sick and she said mm-hmm. he was never able to to do anything. And, um, you know, I, he, the next day he said that he'd been to Spain the night before and it was really nice. But, you know, he also he was just married and he yeah. was a teenager and that's what you're going to say. So who knows? But, you know, the, it was a, a big part of the official marriage ceremony to say, OK, these two had the vows in public and now we're publicly putting them to bed. And then a priest would come and pray and say, we hope you're having a fertile marriage and, you know, have some some prayer for children because that was also the whole point of these kinds of dynastic marriages was mm-hmm. to have lots of children. But like, and you had to have the whole, like everyone watching Not you know, honestly, that was a bit much. There would, there probably wouldn't be that many people. It was probably going to be like her closest ladies in waiting, maybe her mother, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. At least mom's there. Like that, that makes it all normal and palatable. Yeah. And, oh you know, well, and like for, Arthur for said, I, like, I, like just these smooth talking Kings. I went to Spain. Like, I, Oh my God, <laughs> this is too much for me. He said, I think he said something like, I'm very thirsty for, because last night I was on the plains of Spain or uh, it was some oh kind God. of line yeah, like that. Some, just, to... He needs to keep his mouth shut. All right. Well, he died. So we can't. Yeah. All right. Well, they all died. We all die, don't we? Yeah. This is getting deep. Uh, so anyway, yes, the bedding ceremony was a big part of marriage at the oh, time. Oh, gosh. <sighs> Especially noble. I mean, I don't think your average peasant is going to have to He's go gonna have the, the whole neighborhood Well, they're, they're going to have it anyway because there's no such – the privacy that we understand as privacy didn't exist so much back then. So, you know, you're having shared spaces. I just can't even understand. It's – yeah. Yeah. All right. You didn't need to have the bedding ceremony because the whole neighborhood was living in your house with you. <laughs> yeah. So what's, I mean, I guess, again, like the vault scene where he like tried to, Henry tried to pole vault the, yeah. the, the pond or whatever. Like, I guess this is just more setting up his, like, what, vulnerability. Mortality. Mortality. Yeah. And it just seemed, again, it just seemed weird and like I didn't. I mean, yeah, I but think I guess we're it was just, just that trying to throw it in there real quick for you to, for us to understand, the viewer to understand the that pressures that Henry was under. Why he really needed a male heir because he yeah. could die. Exactly. I mean, in my head, it's like quit doing stupid stuff and you won't die. Yeah, like, but also, I mean, no, because back then, also, sweating sickness. Okay, so there was the sweating sickness, and they talk about how people were well in the morning and they were dead by night. Yeah. It would come on you in like no time. You know, there were I so many. Easy it. ways. I mean, even now there's so many easy ways to die in a car yeah. accident. But, you know. But it helps if you put down the visor when you're going to joust another guy. Like, yeah. I mean, okay. but I guess this is all just, I, I get it. It's, it's proving a point. It's to us, have us understand yeah. how, how fragile life can be. And he needs this male heir. And did you want to talk about women rulers or anything like that? Were you going to ask about? I was. Look at that. So was. Is that your next question? Yeah. So <laughs> was there never a queen? Like a like a woman like like a queen of England before this because I mean you know he's like oh I need a male heir but it's like he he ha- he's like I don't have an heir but I mean he he has, he has a daughter Mary, yeah so I mean like is there no precedent yeah in so England for this or not in any kind of modern you know this period so there 
William the Conqueror had a granddaughter. She was called Matilda. Mm-hmm. And we're talking in like the mid 11th century. This is actually where out of that came Henry II and Eleanor of Aquitaine and was part of that. So anyway, Matilda had a claim to the throne. And when her father died, uh, he she was going to be the heir. And he made all of his nobles swear that they were going to... Um, have allegiance to her, but then they didn't. And her cousin Stephen came in and said, you know, it's not natural for a woman to have ruling uh-huh. over men and blah, blah, blah. And they started a whole civil war of, over it. It was a very, very dark time in English history. It was, and um, they finally reached a compromise and, you know, they decided that Matilda's children would have, would be the heirs and, and all of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, you know, part of it at the time, well, interestingly though, one of the early Britain, the Britons, B-R-I-T-O-N, the the tribes as the Romans were invading, one of the most famous Britain queens is uh, Boudica, who was a famous warrior queen. And there's this image of her taking on the Romans and stuff like that. So there there was that image that people would have known about was Boudica. But then also there was Matilda and she it was seen as unnatural. How could a woman have rulership over men? And also what would happen if she got married? And that was the problem that Elizabeth had for her whole life and why she always she never actually did get married. But, you know, if she got and that was Mary Tudor, she married a Spanish prince. And then there was this whole worry that if they had children, then suddenly Spain was ruling England and Spain and England never, you know, wanted to be, it, mm-hmm. it became this foreign policy issue much more so than it would have been with a man. Mm-hmm. And on top of it, you know, how does a woman go to war? How does a woman lead troops? Yeah. And so it, it, there were in, in other countries, Interestingly, there there was Salic law, like in France, it actually specifically forbade women from having a claim to the throne. Although you could get your claim through a woman, I believe, but you, the woman herself actually couldn't have the claim. And England didn't have that. So in theory, a woman could be queen and that Mary Tudor eventually was queen. But um, in it hadn't happened for 400 years, 300 years, 400 years. And that was with you know, it, it, it's a totally different time. Yeah. And we mm-hmm. look back and say, well, it was still old, but you know, if you think about our no, history, yeah, 400 years, years from now, like before is yeah. like a really long time ago. Yeah. Like, I mean, the United States didn't exist. No. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he could look back and say, well, the last time we tried to have a queen, it was with Matilda and it was this hard. Like people still yeah. remembered that and knew it was a famous time, mm-hmm. you know, in their history that they would have known about. So, and there was other, I mean, but there was other women leaders mm-hmm. in the world. I mean, just for example, is Isabel of, of yes, Spain. Yes, I mean, so she was a queen in her own right. And with that, it made it palatable for... Uh, she was able to maintain control because her kingdom was so much bigger than Aragon's, at, than Ferdinand of Aragon. Mm-hmm. And so it, it wasn't as much of an issue. Whereas yeah, when, she was sort of swallowing up his little territory exactly. versus him yes. you know, and his powerful... Exactly. Okay. But, um, and there were other women who were in charge of things, even as regents, um, and maybe t- especially when, once Charles became the emperor, he had all these, because he was a Habsburg as well, he had all of these territories everywhere. And there were women who were ruling, like Margaret of Austria. Um, there were, there were very powerful women, women throughout. Europe, who were ro- ruling in the name of, but it was never like on their own. Mm-hmm. 
So you, there was two Margarets, and also the person in this, the the sister in this was Marguerite. Like Marguerite. Yeah. So it's kind of like there was Thomases and, and Margarets, <laughs> yes. and also the 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 sister of. There was a Louise of Savoy. But the she sister was, of 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 Henry, Henry was also Margaret. named Margaret. Yep. So lots of Margarets. Yeah. Lots of Thomases. Interesting. I, I don't think Henry was Henry is never actually married to a Margaret. Hmm. And he was married to a couple of Anne's and a couple of Catherine's and nice, yeah, but never a Thomas or a Margaret. Okay, um, and then they're setting it up for divorce. Yeah, at the end, because Henry needs a male heir. Yeah, so I mean, I guess, I mean, I think I, I know this, but they end up like this is like a future thing. They're going to get divorced. Yeah, well, yeah, well, something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then. I'm pretty sure it's like just made up, but like Margaret killing the Portugal king. Yeah, it does. That's just made up. Like the, the, the other version, the Mary who was married to the French guy, she didn't like kill no, him or no. something. But I think it's funny, like how that came to her because there were, there were rumors that because she was so young and they were having so much sex that she probably made his heart stop. I see. From having so much sex. So they kind of alluded to that. Yes. Like how he was, seemed like he's going to have a heart attack. Exactly. After the first time. Exactly. All right. Well, those are all my questions all for, right. for this this week. Yeah. You asked some good questions. Well, so, yeah, I think that then like when we look at the themes, just we talked about like the rise of Protestantism in England and how Cromwell was part of that. And that's juxtaposed against Henry being named the defender of the faith by the Pope. And it's, of course, the great irony is that Henry, who was still a Catholic until his death, would make the rise of Protestantism in England possible. So he opened floodgates that he did not intend to open necessarily. Mm-hmm. And we see Henry de- demand the divorce from Woolsey, and so that's setting in place both his leaving Catherine and Woolsey's own fall, because Woolsey was unable to obtain said divorce. Mm-hmm. And then we see all the love letters with Henry and Anne and their relationship heating up and Henry becoming frightened of his, his own mortality and needing to have a son. So, And also just on Woolsey's fall, like we see the other people yeah, know, kind that are- of still... Hovering. Not necessarily plotting, but like, I mean, sort of plotting, like, yeah, like we'll wait for the right time. And, exactly. And yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. So they will find that right time they soon will. enough. And then it's, it'll be on. It'll be on. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, thanks again for listening to the show. We hope you'd like it. You can learn more about us at watchingthetutors.com. And again, please leave us a rating on iTunes if you like the show this week. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you again next week. Take care. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.